I, I want to welcome you to today's edition of The Bradley Hall Show. And I am your host, The Bradley Hall. As you've guessed it by now, I am the Bradley Hall. I wanted you to know that I am a certified trauma recovery coach and a certified mindfulness instructor and a certified holistic life coach. Now, what this means is that I am a trauma-informed holistic life coach with a focus on awareness, which is the first step to any type of personal growth. Let my 30 years of coaching and my experience overcoming trauma work for you. To work with me, go to my website, thebradleyhall.com. Look for the coaching tab in the upper right-hand corner. You can choose holistic life coaching or trauma recovery coaching. Anyone who ever accomplished anything had a great coach or a great mentor. You should too. You're worth it. Contact me now. Hi, welcome back to another episode of The Bradley Hall Show. I'm your host, The Bradley Hall. My guest today is a friend of mine, Paul Cristino. Paul is a also a trauma recovery coach. He's joining us today to talk about his, uh, his personal story and uh, several different subjects that relate to trauma recovery and PTSD, and uh, really look forward to having him today. So welcome, Paul. Hey, Bradley. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing amazing. Glad to be here. Glad to see your face. Glad to talk to you, man. Yeah, yeah. Same here. I've been uh, I've really been looking forward to it. So um, all right. So I've gone through your bio. Yeah. And uh, this May is uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh And uh, so I'm really excited to have you here because you and I have something in common. We're both uh, trauma recovery coaches. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's been the theme of the month. And um, we'd like to, uh, you know, I'm happy to have you on to talk a little bit about trauma recovery. For sure. I'm, I'm open. Good, good, Let's good, good. Okay. Well, you want to start? Um, just tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about your story, whatever you want us to know. Just kind of start there and we'll, I'll just pick up. For sure. Well, it's funny, Bradley, because like, you know, this is what I do. This is what we do for a living. So we, we hear people's stories every day, all day long. And we encourage people to tell their stories. Um, but honestly, man, I think the hardest thing in my recovery is telling my story. You know, yeah. that's one of the hardest things for me. And I, I think agree. it's, you, you know what I mean? And especially for like, um, for men. Yeah. Sometimes I, I feel reluctant to put a lot of details out there because there is always this stigma that if you are speaking about your trauma and your and your experiences and there's a weakness that comes along with that that's right and um i mean you know what it's like man so it's funny when people tell me to tell them my story it always like gets here and then never gets out of my mouth <laughs> because <laughs> you know it's just tough for me yeah but i will say this um you know i don't think anyone i don't think people could do this type of work that we do if they haven't really been there themselves um yeah that, and, that's uh, a great point bobby and i yeah. were talking about that last week 
and um, and I, I don't want to say anything negative about what any anyone does at for all. For sure, for sure. Um, but I think it's definitely an advantage to be a trauma recovery coach and have the experience of of going through the trauma. For sure. And and depending on everyone's uh, situation is different, but you know, the dark times and, and the, the mental battles through, uh, whether it's depression or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that is a huge, huge, huge asset. Everyone's story is different, but to have someone who has been through the terrain is definitely yeah. a benefit. And for me, it's like, you know, if I was on the other end of that, if I was sitting on the opposite side and I was talking to a therapist and I have, you know, I want to know that that person that I'm talking to has, has been there and they've survived it. I can't, right. I, if, you know, cause you deal with trauma victims are, you know, they're right at the edge. Yeah. They're right at the edge of falling off. Yeah. And I need to know that your knowledge doesn't just come from a textbook. Yeah. I need to yeah, know and, that. I need to know that in here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I don't know about, about your story cause I'm just yeah. learning all this. Yeah. 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 Firsthand. But in my situation, I, I was, seeking therapy i, I mean mm -hmm. i had my <clears throat> my life had just come apart at the seams mm -hmm. uh, you know that that breaking point when yeah. when but before that i recognized that that there was a pattern happening mm -hmm. and i tried to find a counselor i tried to find a therapist and uh i i just i went through them just one after the other i couldn't find one that i could connect with that that seemed like they were genuine not that they weren't genuine not that they didn't care just seemed like they had they had that missing piece Absolutely. um and and i finally found one and everything changed from that moment when i connected with her i knew that she knew i knew she'd been through it i knew we we're having legitimate conversations she's going to hold me accountable and after i've been through four or five have you have you experienced something similar of course man i mean you know you go through these these cold fish therapists you know and they're sitting across from you and there's a blank that blank dead look you know yeah. and and i'm thinking listen you I could tell they're extremely intelligent. Yeah. I can tell they're articulate. I can tell they want me to be better. But I can also tell that there are times, Bradley, when I would talk about certain things in my life and I would, the reaction I would get were two things. Sometimes a person would sit there and almost like if they had a piece of some popcorn and they just listened to my story because it was so compelling. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. right. <Yeah. laughs> like, holy shit, this is a movie. <laughs> And then other times you get the complete, like, I can't relate to this look, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. that's tough when you're dumping the most, the, the heaviest stuff on somebody and you could see that they just don't know what to do with it. That's right. Yeah. And even, even you know, even some of the sound advice I got, <clears throat> I could just tell that, that, I don't know. I mean, it was genuine. They knew what they were talking about, but sure. it was just taking advice from someone that that I, I, I knew they hadn't been there. And right. even even the therapist um, that I did connect with, I don't believe she has a, a, a I don't know this, but I, I don't I never believe she had a full traumatic background. But I knew that she got it. Mm -hmm. That's that's and I think I want to make that the key point here is whether your coach or your therapist has been through trauma or hasn't been through trauma that, that they understand that they're informed. They know that it's a different yeah. set of rules. It's a different set of circumstances. Absolutely. And, and those, and those circumstances and, and rules are very, very, very important. 
For sure. They're important because you're dealing with, like we said, you're dealing with some, uh, a, a person who's in a real touchy situation. Yeah. You know, like you said, you know, we all go through these things, but when you reach the apex of that and you're like balancing with one toe on the top of it and you can go either way, like we said, I need, I just need to know that that person has been there. I just need to. Yeah. And I said, when we got into this, I was saying, my clients are going to know whether yeah. I put my, my whole story out there on the internet, my clients are going to know who I am, why I am, from whence I came and from where I came. Right. They're going to yeah. know that. You know? Yeah. I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. And I have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's extreme. It's, it's mm-hmm. critical. Mm-hmm. It's critical. Sure. It definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah, man. But I just, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny, man, because I see, you know, trauma is a tricky thing. And I know for me, there was a long time where I felt as if, you know, um, I have this under control. Yeah. You know, becoming extremely comfortable in the discomfort. And um, I challenge anybody out there who's listening to, the, to this today to, to just become a little bit aware, become aware of yourself and, and see if you can recognize the fact that most trauma survivors have put themselves in a position of, I'm just resigned and I know I will never be completely whole. I know I will never be completely happy. I know I, w- I will ne- never be completely calm. So they become very comfortable in this state of disarray. And um, I know that I would say the majority of people out there are, are in that state. You know, we've, we, we're, we're, we're so uncomfortable. We just don't know what to do about it. So we accept it. And, but, um, and if I could go back to something you said at the very yeah. beginning uh, to tie that in. Yeah. I think, I think that really comes with you, you. You mentioned about it being hard to tell your story. Yeah, man. And I think what happens is, is that, you know, our brains want to polarize things. It's the left hemisphere, right hemisphere, and it becomes either or. We see that, especially now with politics, mm-hmm. you know, things are so polarized. Sure. And I think, I think that we get caught up in, if I talk about it, I show weakness, like you said. Right. That weakness comes into uh, playing the victim, right? Like, I don't want people to think that I'm whiny, that I'm Absolutely. weak. And, you know, they're, they can't understand because they're not going through, which is also somewhat of a fallacy. Everyone's mm-hmm. fighting a battle you can't see because sure. we all do this. We all, we all hide it. Um, so you think, well, I'll just keep it quiet and I'll deal with it myself. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to correct me if this is different for you, but in my situation, I, I continually try to keep it to myself, continually try to keep quiet, continually try to, to, you know, be the shiny object on the outside. Sure. Um, I even tried to be a, uh, intentionally tried to be a larger shiny object to get, sure. be, get on social media and was projecting, you know, how happy I, I truly am despite <laughs> yeah. going through, uh, you know, the things I was going through. But just be, let's be quiet. Let's kind of go about ourselves, amongst ourselves, but not telling my story was inhibiting my progress. I could only make so much progress by myself. No matter, it didn't matter how much I read, how many cool people I talked to, the knowledgeable people I talked to, how much I journaled, how much I, you know, I matured. It didn't matter. It wasn't until I started telling my story recently that I started growing by leaps and bounds. And I'd done a lot of growing in the last 15 years. 
but I, I noticed I started, I started being more open and incrementally telling a little bit more and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And I saw this growth really start to happen where about a year or two ago, mm-hmm. I just started, I, I didn't care anymore. I just started let, and the more I tell it, the more normalized it became. And, and it wasn't as difficult to tell. And now it's, it, it, it's a complete evolution in the last year or two. Have you, have you found that same, uh-huh. same thing with the, the more you tell it, the easier it is to tell? So much. Yeah. And I, always, now, you know, I, my, my wife is always behind me, encouraging me to talk about it. Which is um, critical. That's which, is criti- which is super critical. Yeah. Because I found that also too. You know, I, I, you, you tell your story, a little bit of that shame seems to, seems to dissipate. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's, you know, the shame that comes along with um, appearing vulnerable. And I understand what it is. I understand exactly what it is. I mean, you mentioned for 15 years, you were going through some, you were keeping that. That's a long time, man. That's yeah. A long yeah. Time and actually, things. and it's not the, that's not the full truth. I mean, Probably longer not than that I'm not telling you the truth, right? But 15 years ago is when I start, when I realized I needed to do something differently. And okay. I, I began the work 15 years ago. Okay. Um, okay. So I, uh, and I think, I think we have this, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Oh, yeah. So I don't know your story mm-hmm. uh, completely, but I think I know a little bit of it. Um, I suffered sexual abuse as a child. Mm-hmm. Do we have that in common? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, around the age of between four and seven, the first time, mm-hmm. and then 11 to 13, the second time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I was dealing with. And, and the monumental mistakes that went along with that, with the side effects and the things. And it wasn't until uh, my early 30s when, when it, it was all catching up to me and things completely came unraveled. And I, and I knew I had to start doing the work. So I've been doing the work for 15 years. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But been haunted for, uh, for, <laughs> a, very for a lot haunted. longer than that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the, um, the sexual abuse is something that is... Uh, it's such a tricky thing, man. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a multifaceted uh, monster. Yeah. You know, it really it, is. It really is because it affects obviously not just your sexual relationships, but it affects every single relationship that you have. Yeah. Even relationships with strangers, if there's such thing, you know? Yeah. Well, just, it changes every, it changes every facet of your thinking of your being yeah of your being absolutely of your of your of your physiology yeah you know yeah every aspect of your being is affected when you are sexually abused agreed because you are thrust into a, a hot everybody is thrust into a highly adrenalized state after those things happen and it's not just the psychosomatic effects of our thought process and our memories that wreak havoc on our body. It's the actual chemical thrust that's going on inside of our body when these things have happened and, and, and happened long ago. But you said something, you said, um, you said something interesting about the mistakes that were made. You said that just now. And it's yeah. crazy because I tell people this. It's like, you know, they always say like a therapist will tell you, oh, the, the abuse is not your fault. And we're aware of that. 
We're very aware that it's not our fault. But I think a lot of times what victims think is their fault is the state of their life that came as a result of, of the abuse. Yeah. And that's where we need to forgive ourselves and say, well, forgive yourself. Yeah, I do forgive myself. I didn't do these things to me. But it dawned on me one day that what I need to forgive myself for is the mess that I consequently made of my life. Right. You know, in my 20s, in my 30s. And, you know, it's um, those are the things that, that survivors and victims, quote unquote, need to forgive themselves more. If we're going to talk about forgiveness, uh, that's where that needs to be um, focused on. Yeah. Because Which- I made, I made, I made, you know, I made mincemeat out of my life especially in my 20s were just absolutely unbearable you know yeah. and all of the dreams and aspirations that i had i couldn't i couldn't pursue them because all of my energy and all of my thoughts and all of my emotions were were directed at just surviving my own mind all day know? every day all day every day say you know they say like um you know live day you know take it one day at a time no 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 you have to take it one instance at a time that's right one fraction of a second at a time that's how that's how debilitating it could be yeah 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 you're absolutely right and in the forgiveness i mean we're we're kind of all over the place here but there's so much to talk about you know yeah forgiveness Forgiveness, the f F word the f word exactly (laughs) and it's not as easy as it sounds because because you you have to simultaneously balance holding yourself accountable for, the, for your actions so you don't repeat them while simultaneously forgiving yourself because something happened to you that you had no control of right. that caused your, your thought patterns to change to cause you to make those decisions. Absolutely. So you, you, you can't tilt one way or the other too far without ramifications, right? If you, if you, if you just, Forgive yourself to a point where you're like, well, I didn't have any control over it. And there's no accountability. You just keep doing it. Right, right. If you're too hard on yourself and you, and, and, and then that takes you, you know, in a completely other direction. For sure. So that balance is exhausting. The balance is exhausting. And ironically, that's one of the most impossible places to find is balance. Right. When you're in that particular state. So it's like almost a catch 22. Yeah. You need balance to have balance. Yeah, 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 and it's almost like it's almost like a seesaw. It's like a pendulum because we're too hard on ourselves. Then we then we then we catch ourselves. We're like, oh well, we need to forgive ourselves and move into a different state, and we we just move back and forth, which causes a cycle, right? So you're triggered, you move into behavior, um, you complete the behavior, then then the shame starts to set in that you allowed yourself to get triggered to move back into whatever behavior it was, and then the shame sets in. Now you're too hard on yourself and. And, and it just, that's the cycle. It just keeps going over and over and Man, over. Man, it sounds like you have a direct line into my own brain, <laughs> you know? Cause, but I think everybody, but the way you're explaining it, that must be universal, man. That must yeah. be a universal concept. Yeah, with I, people. I think so. Cause I catch myself doing that t- all the time. As you know, I think another thing too, is that trauma survivors have a, have a, um, a pattern of being hard on themselves, of being, uh, of being, um, overly critical you know because we have that critic in our in our mind which really isn't our own voice that's right but i'll be damned if we don't follow it like it's our own voice that's right i know i've seen i've in the past i followed that voice more stringently than i followed my own true voice yeah well you know? it becomes it's the ego and, and it it 
it's designed um, to protect us. And but sure. when it becomes uh, when when uh, when it becomes corrupted, uh, it ends up blocking our intuition, which sure. is what leads to the consistent bad decisions, the consistent you know behavior that that mm-hmm. cause you to wreak havoc in your own life in the twenties and me to do the same. And it was, and it was, it was just complete and absolute madness. Yeah. And, and thankfully for me, I, I, you know, I, the anger was just out of control, but thankfully for me, I was aware enough to know that, listen, and I tell people, I tell my clients this, if they ask me like, what's the one thing you would tell me? I always tell them this, the main component to healing. And I truly believe this is you have to, make sure that you don't make your pain somebody else's pain. Yeah. I think that's number one, because we can, we can do yoga and we can meditate and we can go to the therapist and we can do all of that stuff. But as soon as I am taking my, my pain and I'm transferring it to Bradley, who then transfers it to the guy at the checkout counter, who then transfers it to his wife, who transfers it to her kids. That's right. I cannot do that. Now, I do have this in my belief system. I do believe that I do believe in karma. I do believe that exists. Um, so I like to keep myself a little karmically clean through the process of, of healing. Yeah. Um, I tell people that first and foremost. And um, so my 20s were spent, the point I'm making is my 20s were spent pretty much in my apartment making music but also using that as as an excuse of well i'm focusing on my craft when really all it was is i'm insulating myself from the world from people people that i know people that i don't know and you know the amount of weed that was smoked back in the in in the 90s i tell you man i smoked all like california (laughs) i think i smoked california yeah, yeah. Some of the younger people may not realize what a big deal that was. It was uh, not like it is now. Not like it uh, is now. There's a huge stigma behind it then. It was, but yeah. like honestly, that was that's what was, that's what my twenties were just comp- just fighting off. Yeah. That rage, and shame, and ultimately fear. Ultimately, the fear. That's really what it was. Yeah. The fear that lived in my brain, that lived yeah. in my nervous system. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate you, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. I have um, to, man. I have to. I know, but I, I but I know it's not easy. It's not. It's hard. It's, the, it's hard as hell. It's the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. You know, it's opening my mouth about it. Yeah. And hey, yeah, I understand that, too. Um, and my 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 situation is a little different in my That's 20s. Right. Uh, I, I, I started my family very young. Uh, which was a teenage pregnancy, which is, you know, one of those decisions I was talking about. Uh, how, old, how old were you? Uh, when my son was born, I had been 18 for uh, less than 30 days. Oh, wow. Okay. You were a kid. Yeah. yeah my wife was, was younger. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had the statistics in front of me. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the statistics of teenage pregnancies with trauma survivors, especially sexual abuse survivors, mm-hmm. is, is remarkable. It's, um, oh, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, but... So I, um, I was one of those people that had decided that my family was going to be different than the family I had grown up with. Mm-hmm. So I, 
I was, I ended up creating a dual lifestyle. So I was, I was this father, this husband and this father, this perfect family by day and by night, I was still out of control. Like, you know, uh, I was living a rock star lifestyle just sure. because it was, it was chaos. I needed the chaos. The K that's all I'd had in my childhood and growing up was just chaos. And I needed the chaos. The stability wasn't working for me. I had to have the chaos to feed the wounds that hadn't healed. Mm -hmm. And I ended up creating a dual, dual lifestyle. Um, and it was, it was, uh, it really was, it was, it was, it, it, it's amazing. The two different paths that, that you took was shelter and isolation. Yep. And mine was to just go as fast and chaotic as, as completely possible and, and just be completely reckless. And they seem like they, they led us to the same place. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it did. It's, uh, it's remarkable. It's just remarkable how people deal with things differently. Differently, man. You know, and it's funny because when, when my 20, I met my wife, who's my wife now, I met her very early. We were 21. So thank God I had her there because yeah. even with her there, I was close to just, you know, yeah. You know, even with her there, yeah. so I know if she wasn't there, it would have been, it would have been over, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. Funny, what what universe or God or whatever it is that you believe in, when it puts things in your life in place in your life to keep you tethered to the earth, you know. Yeah. This oh, thing yeah. is going to keep me here. Your son will keep you here. Yeah. You know, but then you have you're forced to to deal with who you are sometimes we don't even know who the hell we are I'm no and sometimes we don't we don't know what we want that changes and, every day for me sometimes Brad. Yeah. yeah 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 so I, my wife and i we almost divorced at, at that 15 year mark that's what mm -hmm. really set it off and um i thought i wanted something completely different and um now that that we decided we decided to keep our, our marriage and we actually together started dumping all of our emotional baggage on the table and sorting through what we were going to keep. Um, I, I, I was fortunate enough that she recognized she had trauma and, and, and that she was contributing to the relationship being unhealthy. So she was uh, traumatized. She had some trauma in her life as well too. Huh? Yeah. 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 And, but rather than blame me for the breakdown of the marriage, she realized that the things that were happening that she was partly responsible for, and she took 50% responsibility. We were able to work on that together. I'm very, very lucky that happened because in, in most situations, it doesn't, no. it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. Um, but then we were able to rebuild. And once I began to rebuild and go do the work and start to evolve, I realized that she's, she was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I didn't know that at the time because I was so lost in the chaos. For sure. And that the things that I thought I wanted were the things that were only going to hurt me further. For sure. That the things that were healing were the things that were right there in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I thank God every day that that I'm I'm where I am because you know the butterfly effect. Any one small decision changes everything changes. And I, I may not be sitting here talking to you. Let me let me if you want to talk about it, I don't know if you like what were the, some of the things that you thought you wanted. I'm curious. Just um so. It, it, I thought that our marriage, um, so my wife is very low maintenance mm -hmm. and she's very, uh, easy to get along with. And, um, I, I needed that challenge and that chaos. I needed, I needed turmoil I and I, I wasn't, 
I wasn't, I didn't know that. You weren't getting it. Yeah. I just you thought weren't getting was, the turmoil. Yeah. And right. I, you know, I was like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's boring or whatever the case right. may be. Right not realizing that it, it was, it wasn't boring. It was healthy. I healthy just man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we're bouncing pots and pans off of each other's heads, it might not be, we want to reevaluate the relationship. That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Really? Um, so that, that, that's all, uh, that's all it really was. And, and, and I know it goes way deeper than that. Now that I've done the work and coming out of the childhood and the relationships and there's 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 a lot more to it that I I don't want to get into today but that that's really what it boils down to from is that I didn't know what healthy looked like I wanted unhealthy and I and I didn't realize that's what it was it's funny you said that man when I was growing up a friend of mine had his girlfriend they were constantly fighting man screaming at it like you can constantly and then he would see me and my wife you know we're mild-mannered and he'd be like man you know I was like, he's like, is your relationship boring? I was like, first of all, bro, you don't know what we do when we get back to the apartment. So just chill out. Okay. And second of all, I can't see how that is going to last with that girl you're with. Yeah. Somebody's going to die. Yeah. And they ended up breaking up and I've been married for, you know, 18 years. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's man. awesome. For so sure. to, to answer your question. Yes. A little bit further. Yes. Um, I was, uh, because of relationships in my childhood, I was attracted to narcissistic women. Yeah. And my wife is completely opposite to that. That's crazy, though, because when you say you're attracted to narcissistic women, but you married a woman who wasn't a narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we, uh, we, we teenage pregnancy and uh, I, I mean, we 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 dated and, uh-huh. you know, we love each other. Sure. I don't want to dismiss any of that. Um, but. Uh, we had our son and we, we put our family together. And uh, then, you know, a few years later, I was, uh, we were actually, uh, I mean, we, we had started talking about an amicable divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought, I just thought it wasn't working because it was, you know, it was boring and, and uh, like your friend, you know, yeah. and, um, but I realized now that I was looking for that. Um, I, I didn't, I don't Straight know. Straight chaos. My wife, she's just so easy to get along with, you know. And uh, growing up in an environment with people who weren't easy to get along with and mm-hmm. needed constant, uh, constant gratification and mm-hmm. constant reassurance or whatever the case may be, um, you know, that's the, the behavior pattern I was in. So that's what I thought a, a relationship should look like. Far, you know, farthest thing from the truth. Relationships, too. I mean, they go through seasons, man. You know, yeah, it's not summer all the time. No, 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 no. The other thing. It's I mean, not, that's, that's it's not going to be like that. No. So anybody who's listening out there, if you're kind of in a relationship and you're going through a downtime, God, just reevaluate it and say like, do I love this person? And if you do, yes. And stay with them. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. What are you going to go out here on, on like match.com or like Tinder or whatever? I don't like, come on. If you got something good, hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and my wife and I talk about that all the time that we were blessed because uh, in a lot of ways, but, one of the things that, that I realized and, and we, she agrees with me, we talk about it is that everyone's broken. Everybody. man. And so if you are with someone and, and not saying that people shouldn't separate or people get divorced, I would never say that with, there are always extenuating circumstances. There's always, you know, get whatever. I, but I'm just saying on, as a general rule, if you, if you separated from one person and got together with another one, that person still has baggage. Absolutely. 
and that that's why I think you get people who end up being uh, have serial relationships because they're they're not willing to do the work and the grass always looks greener. So we keep hopping the fence mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. some point to have a fulfilling relationship, whether it's your first wife or your third wife, at some point, the two of you have to do some work to get beyond whatever's triggering Absolutely. ending the other relationships. And, Absolutely. and for us, we were, we were like, we, we already have, we already have children. We have, we have all this history. We, we don't want to just throw it out. So we might as well try to make this work with each other. For and, sure. and, and I'm grateful. And, you know, I don't want to be the 46 year old guy at the bar, you know? Yeah. With a drink in my shirt button down here. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I don't want to be that guy. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, hold on, hold fast to what you have. That's right. Make it work. <laughs> you know, I got all my gold chains on at the bar. You know, no, 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 we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on a dating app with a picture from 10 years ago. Yeah, from 1978. <laughs> oh, man. No, 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 no. Yeah. I don't even want to know what it's like out there these days to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll work yeah. through whatever problems me and my wife have. We'll work through them. Yeah, yeah. So it, it sounds like that you've been able to experience the same thing that I've been able to experience. Um, my wife and I, we are best friends. And, yeah. and I, I never thought it could be this way. I, I never did. And we talk about things um, that I... I know most married people probably don't ever talk about. And um, it's, it's extremely rewarding, especially if one of us is having a bad day mm -hmm. uh, and we realize it or we don't realize it and the other one realizes it and can initiate that conversation without, uh, you know, uh, some kind of a, a blow up or reaction or feeling slighted or being judged or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Are you experience that with your Definite, wife? Definitely. You know, it's, um, she, uh, I'm more of the type, I want to talk about everything. And my wife is more of a, an introverted person. Same here. Yeah. So she would think that sometimes I was being uh, overly emotional. And then she would think that, and I would think sometimes that she's being, you know, cut off and closed off. And, but then we realized as time went on, it's like, we are dealing with the same things internally. We're just choosing a different vehicle externally to 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 express that yeah but i don't think that i could have my relationship with my wife would have lasted if she in fact didn't have some extremely traumatic experiences growing up because when i was dropping the ball in the relationship she she understood why you know she knew me and she knew why yeah though so she wasn't a harsh critic on me she knew what i had to come back from yeah. So it was important that we, and I think a lot of times you will find traumatized people gravitating towards people, towards each other in some way. I think you're right. Yeah. Even when they don't even know that about each other. Yeah. Something probably energetic. probably most of the time they don't know that about don't each other. Don't even know it. You know, this is something energetic, something in the, in the way they move, the way they, the way they live. It's this is the end of part one. Be sure to check out the rest of the conversation with Paul on part two.